0: Good morning, Sinclair. Clair. Uh, it's a strange day. Uh, it's weird for me because now I'm being beamed into your living room. So I can see a lot of you in your pajamas, as we would say in England. And also I can see a bunch of you sneaking in still late with cups of coffee. And so that's totally great. It feels like a weird world. I was saying to Dave um, and Amy that a week and a half ago, I think a week last Wednesday, we were trying to decide how do we do communion, slightly different uh, within 24 hours. The whole of our Sunday gatherings were shut down. St. Clair's always been a deeply relational community. And so to do a live stream also feels strange at this time. It's an interesting world in which we live in at the moment. I was phoning with my mom, who's 74, and she lives in England. And she was saying, Matt, nothing like this has ever happened to me in my lifetime. We look at the world and we might feel helpless and we also weave, weep and grieve at the loss of life that we see around us. We're concerned for our families and also the most vulnerable in our communities. It feels like our world has been turned upside down. And yet in the midst of it, as followers of Jesus, as St. Clair, we actually believe that God is faithful and constant. Paul has these words in Colossians chapter 1, which we've talked about many times over the years. Paul says, in him all things hold together. And we still that believe that to be true. If you're watching in and you've not been part of a St. Clair Community Church gathering before, for the purposes of this morning, we've tried to keep a lot of the elements uh, very similar, but in many ways they're a little bit condensed. So we'll be having a call to worship. We'll be having communion together. So if you're in your home and you want to grab some elements, whether it's crackers or your kid's juice or just some everyday elements, feel free to gather those. Uh, for Jesus, bread and wine were just normal elements of Jewish culture. So it doesn't matter what you have. You can grab those and we'll celebrate communion later on together. At St. Clair, we've always started with a moment of silence, And so we're going to have a call to worship where we're going to be silent. We've done silence for St. Clair because we actually believe that it's in silence we receive our identity afresh as children of God. And so I'm just going to read a few words of scripture in a moment to us. Um, know about you, I felt really exhausted this week. It feels like we've been forced to slow down physically in our world. But the noise volume from all the information we have has made us feel tired, frazzled, and pretty much exhausted. And in the midst of this, I believe Jesus has an invitation for us. So I'm going to read this scripture from the message as an invitation to us. And then I'm just going to pause for a moment in silence, and then we'll pray together. This is what Jesus says. Are you tired, worn out? and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Why don't we take some time to be quiet and listen to the voice of the one who calls us beloved. Jesus we come to you this morning weary wanderers uh, we look at a world that just feels in disarray it's, it's broken and hurting and grieving and, and Jesus we just come to you and we just say uh, we we look to you the one who holds it together in a time of deep need uh, we approach you and ask that you would help you would pour out your grace and mercy. God, we bring to you the people who are suffering loss in their families. Jesus, we also bring to you um, our healthcare professionals, all the people who are serving at this time. God, would you be close to them? God, we bring to you our community and our city that is deeply grieving. Would you show your grace? In Jesus' name, amen. None of us have been uh, well have ever experienced anything like this before so it's completely new for us as we try and navigate the world in which we live. COVID-19 has affected everyone uh, in so many different ways and so as I was thinking about this morning and praying uh, we've actually been in a series on prayer if you've been with us at St Clair and we're actually pausing that for this morning and Dave and I and Amy and our Staff team really praying about what we should be teaching on over the next few weeks. But for this morning, the scripture that's been rumbling around in my heart and mind for a while, actually, has been a passage in Philippians chapter four. So if you have a Bible uh, handy in your house, I was going to say Paper Bible or electronic device, but maybe your on or electronic device is looking at me. So try and go to your bookshelves and grab a paper Bible. Uh, we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter four specifically, and over the last few days, I've just been trying to ask what the Spirit is trying to say to us as a community at this time. So it may not seem the most polished sermon, but it's just my heart to you as we try and navigate this together as a community. A bit of background for the book of Philippians, Uh, Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and Paul at this point is actually in prison. So Paul himself is actually isolated, and he's writing to this community who have gone through deep suffering and even deep persecution, and so they are feeling anxious, tired, weary, and so Paul is just writing these words of encouragement to them. Paul is trying to encourage them to live well in the midst of what they're going through. Towards the end of Paul's letter in Philippians chapter 4 and verses 4 to 9, this is what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Before we dive into these specific verses this morning, the start of chapter four has some beautiful words of Paul that he frames these uh, verses in. He says this in verse one. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Paul says brothers and sisters, and Paul is using family language for the church. We've always believed that theologically at Sinclair. If you go online over the last few days, there's been a lot of people posting the church isn't about a building, the church is a people, it's not about a Sunday gathering. And St. Clair's always believed that right from the beginning. A few years ago, before we planted, I heard the pastor, Mike Breen, say, what would you do if your building was taken away from you? And so that's why we have missional families, groups to gather throughout the week to do life together. It was good for a weary soul to be able to do our missional family online on Thursday and have people do Google Hangouts and just see one another and pray together. Because we're deeply relational, we we encourage people to continue to do that during this next season. But the church is a family who cares for one another. In Acts chapter 4, we see the church being described in a way that Luke writes, they had everything in common, but they shared where there was need. For the church in this day, there may be a time we have to share financially with one another. We'll have to pay one another's bills, buy one another's groceries and love one another deeply and sacrificially but that's what families do and then paul goes on to say you are my joy and my crown paul's words here are deeply loving towards the community that he's pastoring paul loves this community so much and he's burdened for them he calls them his joy And over the last few days and a couple of weeks, we as a staff team have been really burdened for our community, too. We spend time every day praying for you as a community, and we love you deeply. It's a true joy, and it's the privilege of my life to be able to pastor at St. Clair. And during this time of receiving text messages and uh, Facebook messages and emails, I just know that a lot of people are struggling During this time, we're really suffering deeply. And so if you need anything during this season, don't hesitate to reach out to us because the church truly is family, as Paul described. They're also, as we're a family, we don't just think about ourselves. The beauty of healthy families is they have a vision beyond themselves. And so Archbishop William Temple, I think, is famously quoted as saying, the church is the one organization that benefits its non-members. And so as we think about how we love one another as a family, we deeply desire to reach out and care for the needs in our neighbourhood and our city. St. Clair has always been here for something beyond itself. Verse 4, let's dive into the text. If you have a Bible with you, we're just going to be looking at a few verses this morning that are hope and are encouragement as we face this time of crisis in the world. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Paul starts this section by emphasizing joy. And Paul's language is deeply important. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Paul doesn't say, find joy from within yourself or even from your circumstances. See, the joy Paul is talking about goes way beyond our circumstance, and it actually comes from beyond ourselves. We can be joyful in God because God is the source of all joy. And joy isn't the same as happiness. With all the pressures that we're feeling in our lives and we look at the news every day, it can be hard to rejoice, but actually it's different to being happy. Henry Nouwen says this. If you're a Sinclairite, there had to be a Henry Nouwen quote this morning, so I put this in there. We can be unhappy about many things, but joy can still be there because it comes from the knowledge of God's love for us. Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. It is a choice based on the knowledge that we belong to God and we have found refuge in God and our safety and that nothing, not even death, can take this away from us rejoice in the Lord always I will say it again rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all Paul says joy is connected to gentleness and how we treat one another be gentle in how we treat each other Paul uses the language here of gentleness which is actually in the original language connected to forbearance which actually alludes to an idea of being patient with others. If we ever need to show gentleness to one another in a world of terror, outrage, scarcity, and aggression, even a lack of humility, you want certain world leaders where we think we can just solve this if we try harder, we need to be a community that's gentle to others. I was so struck this week looking around at a couple of places that I saw, um, gentleness in our world, 541 and just handing out bags for people to support the most vulnerable lunch bags for people in our city. Also the caremongering uh, Facebook group that sprung up of just people loving one another. There were so many times people said, if you need to talk to someone, you can phone me. That to me symbolizes gentleness. Gentleness is who God is. And we show what God is like when we treat people well. One of my mantras in life has always been seek first to understand, not be understood. As we live in a world that feels stressful and a lot of the times we feel irritable, would we pause and listen well and offer gentleness to others? Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Dallas Willard says, God is where you are. Gentleness is at hand because God is at hand. But a time like this can feel like God is absent, but I don't think God is absent from us. I think he's closer than maybe we've ever experienced before. As we think about our lives and the way they've been turned upside down, it feels like it's a season of grieving the loss of a great many things. But I also wonder if it's an invitation on Jesus to know him more deeply. The phrase that's been coming to mind all week from the Gospel of John is the words of Peter, where he says, Jesus, where else can we go? With so much time and yet so much distraction, what if God is calling us back to himself? What matters most? I think God has maybe given us in the West an enforced Sabbath in many ways. And for lots of us, it feels like we're now in a wilderness And our wilderness is where loads of things have been stripped away from us. But I wonder if the desert is actually the place of discipleship. Maybe there are things that we've used to keep us safe and secure, things we've looked to in our lives, that that thing has given us our identity. And all of that seems to be shaken. And I'm reminding the words in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength. Maybe paraphrase that as he is our ultimate security. The Lord is near. Leads us on to our next part. So don't be anxious about anything. This isn't just individual anxiety, but community anxiety is Paul's writing to Philippi. And when we look in the world around us, also um, the what anxiety of the world. How can Paul say, don't be anxious? Anxiety comes in many different ways. The word here in the Greek means to be divided or distracted. When we're anxious, our minds are often pulled in lots of different directions. But what can we do about that? Often when we feel anxiety, it's because we have a deep sense of losing control. I know lots of people who are therapists in our community who have helped people with anxiety and trying to tell someone don't be anxious, it's going to be okay, you can get through this, doesn't always help someone. I found when I've struggled with anxiety at different points in my life where I've had moments where I've felt anxious, one of the things friends have said to me is the gift is to learn to be present. How do we be present in every moment of our day? There are things that are actually out of our control, but we can be present to God and the people around us. Knowing we aren't in control can be really terrifying. My spiritual director, Brenda, said to me this week Matt, I think a lot of us are feeling the loss of control, but maybe that's an invitation to hand that control over to God. Trying to hold tight to things we can't control will exhaust us and terrify us. In Matthew chapter six, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough care and concern of itself. And I wonder if Jesus is saying to us, actually be present today and to this moment. When I grew up, I remember a lot of people saying to me, oh, the opposite to fear is faith. But I actually wonder if the opposite to fear is deep love. When my son Benjamin uh, struggled with anxiety a bunch of times, in the middle of the night, often he would wake up And he would call out to me and I would go into his room uh, to just listen to him. And it was easy for me to go into his room and say, hey, Ben, just don't be anxious. Everything's going to be okay." But that didn't really help his anxiety. I found what helped was that when I just actually climbed into bed next to him and just held him. See, I think love is actually the opposite of fear. Ronald Rollheiser says this, only love casts out fear and our deepest fear can only be cast out by the deepest of love what will cure our fear and anxiety is a deep surrender to love both in terms of intimacy and with those that we love in this world and in terms of our intimacy with God but that surrender requires taking a deep risk Paul actually shows out how to live, shows us how to live out this reality when we can feel anxious. See, I don't think Paul is actually saying, oh, you'll never ever be anxious again. And sometimes we can feel like, oh, if I'm anxious, does that mean I lack faith? And I don't think Paul is saying that at all. There are moments we'll feel anxious. I think that's why Paul says, don't be anxious. See, Jesus says, don't worry, because he knows as humans we actually do that. But what Paul says here is, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. See, I think what Paul is saying, when we feel anxious, bring everything in our lives before God. Whatever concerns you, even if it seems small and maybe insignificant, I think Paul is saying everything in our life Matters to God. What is weighing us down? What are the things that deeply concern us, particularly in this time of figuring out family, of figuring out community, of figuring out bill payments, whatever it is that we feel anxious about, we get to bring those things to God. God is concerned with all the things of our life, because God is relational and God is deeply present. He is not far off but the God who's come close in Jesus. Each evening, my kids talk to me about their day, and I always ask them about the minute details because as a father and as a parent, they're of deep concern to me. And I think it's the same with God and who he is. Paul also says, pray about everything. I just want to give a huge pastoral word at this moment. I think this is a day of prayer for our community. Over the last year, we've talked about the two different practices that St. Clair has been participating in this year. It was funny that in September, we felt prayer and hospitality would be the two things that were important for us this year. And like never before, prayer and hospitality seemed so important to us. But I think it's a call to actually come before God in prayer like we never have before. Over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to be sending out a bunch of resources to help us pray. I know some of us listening to this feel deeply passionate about prayer. Some of us feel really scared because we think, I don't know how to pray. But I think God is inviting us to pray as a community like we never have. A scripture that's come to mind over the last few years is Habakkuk chapter three, which I've been praying for the city of Hamilton over and over. And my wife, Jen, even in the last few days, put it, in our house so we can remind ourselves of these words. And this is what she put in our house, and this is from the message. God, I've heard what our ancestors say about you, and I'm stopped in my tracks, down on my knees. Do among us again what you did among them. Like never before, we have to call out to God in prayer for him to come and work, to bring healing to those who need healing, to work miracles where we've not seen miracles before. But the call of the church, I believe in this day, is a call to prayer. What if we committed regularly to pray? I honestly don't want to guilt anyone, but I do want to invite us like never before. What if we took 30 minutes from our time online every single day and replaced that by praying? I was thinking this week, one day we will come out of this. It'll look completely different the world, but we will somewhat try and attempt to go back to normal. And the question I ask myself is, will my online practices have shaped me more than my prayer practices? Walter Wink says, history belongs to the intercessors, those who believe and pray the future into being. Honestly, spending time with God in prayer will sustain us for this season. And also, I think, enable us to love others well. We can actually only ever give out of what we have ourselves. For a lot of us who are helpers by nature, any two on the Enneagram, people out there represent. If you are a two on the Enneagram and if you love to help people, the world will deeply feel overwhelming. But we need to be grounded in prayer. Paul says if we bring all of these things to God in prayer, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Somehow, when we bring everything before God and we offer it up to him, there is actually a peace that we're given. It's a peace that's not of this world. The word in the Greek actually for guard, which is to guard your hearts and your minds, is actually a military term. And the word guard actually means to fend off outside invaders. And so it's really interesting that Paul says when we pray, there'll be a peace that will come, which will actually be able to still the voices that get louder and louder in our heads. So the peace of God can come into our lives. This verse was super poignant for me this week. Because if I'm honest, I woke up on Friday morning and I just felt a deep sense of anxiety. I went downstairs and I went through my normal liturgical routine, which I do every day in prayer. I turn on the kettle and got my Chemex ready. That's always the liturgical practice we need to participate in. And as I stood there waiting for the kettle to boil, I realized that I just felt this all of a sudden a sense of fear and anxiety. How do I love my family in the midst of all this? How do I protect my wife who actually has health issues? How do I pastor our church through all of this? What about the people I know who told me this week they've lost their job? What about the vulnerable people I know at 541? What about those who are struggling with mental health issues? And it all kind of came to me in a flood. And so I made my coffee and I decided not to turn on my phone uh, because I thought that would only just make my fears worse this week. And what I did was I sat on my couch and I said my morning prayer that I say every single day, God, I awake into a world that I did not create. I know that you are present here with me. I listen to the voice of the one who calls me beloved. And I just sat there in silence. Um, On days where I do it better, it can be about 10 minutes. On days where I'm not doing well, it can be about two or three minutes of silence. But I sat there in silence, and what was really interesting was as I got up from my couch, nothing had changed in the world, and yet in some ways a lot had changed because I just had this peace that Paul says passes understanding. I realized that I have to do this every day and be present to this because as a wise person once said, tomorrow has enough cares of its own. So what does all this mean for us at St. Clair? I was interested, I'm going to close out with a few thoughts by these words that Paul says in verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received from me or heard from me and seen in me, put into practice And the God of peace will be with you. What Paul is saying here is these things can't remain theory for us. There's a way that we actually have to practice them. And I think over the next few days and weeks, as people of faith, as we live together in our families and we learn to be together, even online, we're actually going to have to figure out some healthy rhythms and daily rhythms of our life. I've used the language a few times and I wonder if for many of us, we actually need a rule of life that will help us get through this time. Certain parts of our day and practices that will shape us. And what Paul is saying is all of these things that you've heard from me, please do them because they will be the things that will transform us. So just a few thoughts as I close out this message. Um, I hope this has been helpful. As I said, it's just a totally interesting time to pastor and just to be the church together because nothing like this has happened. But a few encouragements I just want to give you out of these verses. The first is just be gentle to others over the next few days and weeks and months. Love well. When you feel like you want to reprimand someone or where you feel like you just want to go after someone, pause and think about how do I seek first to understand? where someone else is coming from. One encouragement I give to all Sinclair people this week is maybe every single day, make it a practice to text someone or FaceTime someone or call someone and just give them a word of encouragement. Just something that you love deeply about them that you see in them and just send that to them. Also, if you know people who actually struggle with anxiety, like for them, it's actually something that can paralyze them. Please reach out to them. I think the only way we walk through this is as a community together. And that's what Paul says to the church there. And the second is to pray. Maybe individually and as a community every day to take time aside to pray. And we'll be figuring out how to do that together. At eight o'clock on Wednesday night, we're going to be having an online prayer meeting. But what if we shaped our day and even looked at the schedule of our day and have pockets of prayer? I'm going to be sending something out this week about the daily office, about how to have prayer in the morning, in the lunchtime, and in the evening. But as a pastor who loves you deeply, I hope these words have been encouraging for you. And I'm just going to read the words of Paul again and then pray for us together. And may these words actually maybe be water on a dry soul this morning. This is what Paul would say to us. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Jesus, we need you. Where else can we go in this time but to you? We come to you with open hands. We release to you all the things we recognize we can't control. God, we release to you our families, release to our city, our church, even our neighborhoods. Lord, these places where we desperately want to do so much and wrestle back control, we come to you with open hands this morning and release them to you. Holy Spirit, would you fill us afresh to be the people you want to be during this time? Lord, would we learn to be gentle to others? Would we look beyond ourselves? And ultimately, would we lay our lives down for the good news of Jesus during this season? In Jesus' name. Amen. At St. Clair, one of the practices we always have is to take communion together. And so that's going to be deeply awkward for me this morning, not to pass it around. I'm just going to take communion to myself. And I'm also going to invite you, if you have some elements in your home, even if you've gone behind the back of the cupboard and grabbed some old crackers, that is totally fine. We each week say a prayer of confession at St. Clair. So I'm going to ask you to uh, confess that with me as we say that together this morning as a prayer. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought and word and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbour as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways for the glory of your name. Amen. We recognize our own deep brokenness, but the scripture reminds us that as we confess that to God, he is faithful to us and actually does forgive us. That is not just theory, but that's the true reality of the kingdom, that we receive forgiveness. And so as we do that, I'm just going to read these words that we say every week, the assurance of pardon that come from Psalm 103. St. Clair Community Church received these words this morning. I am gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. I will not always accuse nor harbour your anger forever. I will not treat you as your sins deserve or repay you according to your iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so high is my love for you. As far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your sins from you. Each week as we celebrate together, I'm just reminded that the table is always a place of hope. We've said constantly at Sinclair that the table is the great leveler. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what background you have, where you come from socioeconomically or even culturally, the table is a place for you to receive from Jesus what he's done for us. Paul writes this in Corinthians, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this each time you gather as my people in remembrance of me. If you have an element there, why don't we take that together this morning? The scripture says that Jesus then took the cup, And he said, this is my cup, which represents my blood, which is poured out for you. Drink this each time you gather in remembrance of me. Why don't we drink the cup together? Why don't we just pause for a few seconds just to remember what Jesus has done for us and the centrality of the cup and the bread. And what it means that in light of everything that goes on in our world, we have received an identity as free children made in the image of God. Jesus, we believe that these elements actually can change the world. That in a world of looking for so many different things to save us, the bread and the juice offer us a symbol of hope. God of hope, we look to you at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. God, we long for your kingdom to come here on earth, here in Hamilton, in Canada, in the world, as it is in heaven. And at a time like never before, we cry out and ask for that to happen. Jesus, that your grace and your mercy would meet us in our hour of need. Why don't you uh, join me uh, together in saying the Lord's Prayer? We say it every week at St. Clair, but this isn't just something we say because we think we should fit it in. We actually think these words form us and shape us and are actually deeply subversive. So why don't we say the Lord's Prayer together? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to close with a benediction as we do each week. It's been a really different kind of Sunday. So uh, I don't have to say to you this morning, if you're, you have to all leave now because Ryerson are coming in. So if you do want to leave your living room and go downstairs to your basement and make coffee, that feels like it lines up very much with St. Clair. If also you want to linger in the main part of your living room and have someone shout in, we need to be out, you can also do that because that seems to be very St. Clair as well. Uh, over the next few days, we're going to be posting some things. We don't want to overwhelm you with our posts, but we do want to give resources and ways that our community is really trying to figure out how to do this together. As we said, missional families, we'd love to encourage you to meet online this week. And again, please reach out to anyone that you know of uh, that we want to love and care for. And thanks so much for navigating this with us. We were just joking a lot that Sinclair being live is quite humorous to many of us. And I do want to say a huge shout out to a bunch of people behind the scenes who've been helping us technologically uh, for those who know me well dave's more savvy and amy than i i have no idea what i'm doing so would it be me with my iphone in a field trying to figure this out so thank you to everyone who's helped put this together we love you and i'm going to read the words uh, from colossians we've read a few times uh, that i think will be helpful for us as we move forward as a church together they're just paul's words that encourages the church and says Please live like this, because this is what it looks like to live the way of Jesus. And a benediction, as I said before, is just a blessing, I pray more than ever, you'll receive this morning. So as you go, friends and family of St. Clair Community Church, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Grace and peace, St. Clair.